Hi, welcome to the Flywheel Film Show. Finally, in a room with decent acoustics. In Arvada, Colorado, I'm Jordan. And I'm Austin, recording in my bedroom slash office slash studio in Dallas, Texas. And I'm Justin, coming to you from the Guitar Center electronic drum set display in Nashville, Tennessee. Tonight, we take a trip back to a decade we were never in. <laughs> that is, that's funny. Um, Justin tries to convince me that he knows what he's talking about. And I wish I had brought popcorn for this whole thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's start off with what makes a car fun? Well, one word. <laughs> Herbo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say one word, spoolie boys, <laughs> and I was going to have a talk with you about math and grammar and spelling. <laughs> I think I think we all know the ultimate thing that it makes a car fun is if you can do a handbrake turn. No, that's how that's how you attract a mate in a car. Oh, that no, that's right. That's right. doesn't necessarily make it fun. Yeah. That's true. You're right. Uh, have you seen those videos of people using like the electronic handbrake and trying to do that? Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll never, they'll never get mates. <laughs> was it? Was it didn't, didn't James May try to hit that? And it just broke. Like I mean, tried to hit that, just <laughs> came off. Oh, uh, well, I mean, turbo's valid, but you've also driven some exciting electric cars. So I have, I have. I don't know. I think what makes a car fun to me is actually pushing the car. And like we touched on in our last podcast, I think the slow like car getting fast, out and pushing against the back bumper. Yeah, pushing a car is super fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think trouble. I think for me, driving a car to its limit is a lot of fun. And owning a lot of cars that I've been able to do that to me, I just get a lot of pleasure out of like driving a car and like being able to like floor it and not get a felony. You know, it's pretty cool. I think there's some. Uh, I think there's some psychology and some. Uh, something to that if uh, if i may so pushing a car to its limits is sort of like you know us pushing against the boundaries of chaos and order you know like you're sitting in your car and you're going at a pretty normal normal speed well that's order but then you decide to take your car and just drive around a curve as fast as you possibly can if you go too fast you die but right on that razor's edge between order and chaos is where you find a lot of like, fun. This is massive. Hel- this is massive helicopter just flying overhead. Some Huey just decided to shake our entire house. Shoot to thrill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finding the thrill, which is which is interesting. I mean, Austin, you've uh, you have gone pretty fast in your car, um, and sometimes it's a bit too fast. Uh, but I mean, that's that's the that's the controversy around liking a Miata and being a car enthusiast um, because. They are slow, but they they struck the balance of like balance, perfect handling, perfect weight distribution, making it engaging to drive while being slow. And there's an interesting dichotomy between like a, a driver's car, as you would say, like a really well sorted suspension and handling. And it doesn't like understeer or oversteer too much. Just how that was done as well as the power. And it's fun to go to the extremes of both. Like there's some very slow cars that are amazingly balanced and fun, even though they're slow. And then there's cars like anything Dodge has done with a Hellcat engine, where it's just like obsessively fast 
And then there's people who take that engine and put it in a car that was slow, like you know the Miata with the Hellcat engine, or I don't think it was Hellcat engine, but it was a maybe it was one of the SRT drivetrains. But I mean, it was it was quickly within like two days was wrapped around a tree. Um, so it's fun to have power. It's fun to have handling capability, and I think it depends on you as the driver. As I, say, I think I think the bottom line of whether or not you have fun in a car is involvement to a certain sense. How involved you are in the experience that you're having in the car. I think that's why a lot of people really are a fan of like manual transmissions is because it increases that level of involvement. But I can also say I've had a really great time driving a Tesla. Um, and you're you're still involved, but not necessarily to the same degree as if you're you're controlling the input of what the transmission's doing, and maybe you don't have power steering, and, and you feel like you have more control there. But I really think like the most fun you have in a car is when you're involved in in some way, and you're enjoying that experience. I think I'd actually agree with that. I thought this was going to be something we were going to argue about for hours, but actually that makes <laughs> a lot of sense, you know, because some cars you can get the necessary amount of input needed for it to be fun and it still be an automatic transmission. That's why we've talked about before, like just you don't need a fast, powerful car with a manual transmission. You're going to already be doing plenty by just keeping it on the road, you know, but then like maybe a, a slower car with less power, you, you have that, that manual transmission. So you, you are more active in moving the car forward. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I would actually agree with you. And I think it's super personal. Like you could, there's also like low riders and donks, like things that aren't good handling or powerful, but it's something personal that they did to their car or even had someone do it, but it was like very much to their taste. Um, I used to own an Albany Buccaneer. Um, oh, and GTA, sorry. Just <laughs> uh, and it was, you know, it was on the, the bag suspension where you just like bounce it all over the place, had an amazing sound system. And it's like, that's the experience. And that was a fun car for those reasons, even though it was slow and couldn't turn within 300 feet. So, <laughs> so, but I think, I think yeah. to us, I think fun is an, is an action, right? So it's, a, it's, it's, how are you, how are you enjoying the action of being in the vehicle? Although I guess you could probably make a, make a case that you can have fun working on a vehicle too, and it's not even going anywhere. So yeah, not everybody has that experience, but to, uh, to segue into the next section, um, I bet you guys are wondering what cars I think would oh be fun. Oh my God. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. On this week's, what is Austin looking at? Take was, a break. Proud of that. I'm proud of that segue. You got it. Facebook marketplace. Seriously. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have addictions. And we're just going to work through it. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, so, we'll get yeah, you there. Yeah. We're not, we're not doing it. All right, fine. fine. <laughs> Maybe next so, week. Yeah. So, so how about this? Did any car spots jump out at us this week? So this week, you guys will actually be pleased to find. Um, I found a, or sorry, I saw a Mazda Speed Protégé with a really cool one-off body kit. Um, it was on Facebook Marketplace where I saw it. <laughs> 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 didn't, didn't see it in person. Oh, it actually well. did look really cool. It looked it was like yellow, well. the period correct body kit. I was like, mm, man. I mean, Mazda Speed Mazda Speed is uh it's pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you guys, anybody actually see anything cool this week? No. I'm trying to think. 
I was walking my um, dog. Actually, in real life, I was walking my dog through our apartment complex, and one of the neighboring complexes saw an Infinity G37, the lowest Infinity I've ever seen. Like his front bumper was sitting on the ground, and he had so much camber; it was absurd. But it looked cool. It looked actually, pretty cool. I, I should say, last week at Cars and Coffee, I saw a very cool car. It was a Toyota MR2 that was actually in Too Fast, Too Furious. It was one of the vehicles from the movie. Um, it has a veil side body kit, and if you know anything about Japanese cars, you know that that is the GOAT. It is super cool. Um, <clears throat> really cool car, really cool story. Um, and I'm you know, a super fan of Fast and Furious, which, of course, the ninth film is now out. And for some reason, I've not seen it yet. So uh, <laughs> let's get on that. Next podcast, we'll get a commentary on. <laughs> we'll do a review of the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, this week, we return to what we thought was just a one-off segment, but it turns out we enjoy yelling at each other too much to stop. Today, we discuss the pros and cons of leasing versus financing a new vehicle. Now, I come from a background in finance, also known as money. And, well, I don't come from money, but I, <laughs> I know stuff about money. Um, My dad all, was a $5 bill. <laughs> <laughs> I came from money. <laughs> and Austin Austin used to sell and lease new vehicles. Now, most, and I have a driver's license. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> now, most people would just call this a debate, but since we are not civilized, articulate, or remotely respectful, we are just going to call this segment Carguing. So, <clears throat> what are the rules? <laughs> what is the I, rule? I mean, I guess we just, we just talk. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were supposed to come up with those. Uh, no, uh, so, since I don't know finance or cars, <laughs> I'll come up with the rules, <laughs> which is we just discuss this as heatedly as possible. Okay. Because no one likes civilized debates. That's true. Yeah, we need to re-yell at each other. Um, yeah. So, no, so I'll give you, I'll give you my opinion because, Austin, I think we, we come down on different, different sides of this. So, I'm not a fan of of leasing vehicles. I get it that you can get into a more car for less money per month, but you're paying on the depreciation. You don't end up owning anything. And the only way it really makes sense is if you're just, and it doesn't even really make that much sense is if you're continuously leasing a new car every few years or so. And then, you know, you never actually end up with an asset that you can call your own and sell and, and, and make money off of. You're just paying depreciation to a dealership. And so to me, I'm like, why would you, why would you lease long term? Like to me, financing makes way more sense. And yeah, it costs more per month. It costs more in the short term, but at least you end up with something. So, the counter argument, and I, I have never leased a car. I don't know if I ever will lease a car, but I selling luxury cars, luxury cars are really the only place that makes sense to lease. Um, it does not make any sense to lease like a Toyota in most cases um, because of residual value. That's the whole thing. So if you're looking at a luxury car, they depreciate really bad. If you, if you don't know anything about luxury cars, mm-hmm. they don't hold their value worth anything it's mm-hmm. it's tragic um but that's why for some people who are serial like car buyers they they buy frequently every two to three years um leases are typically a two or three year term and with a specific amount of mileage for somebody that doesn't buy cars that often which none of us do 
um, or I used to for a time, but it was all garbage cars. Um, <laughs> a expense where you're only paying, it's a little bit cheaper than a monthly payment, and then you're going to get out of that car in two or three years, no strings attached for the next best thing. A lot of people see a lot of value in that. And what leases also do that are pretty smart is a lot of times your maintenance is going to be tied into that, or there's some kind of incentive from the dealer to lease. So they'll cover all of your service intervals over that time. So you have to worry about nothing but putting gas in your car. Mm. Um, and that's, that's really, in my opinion, the only time where it makes sense. If you plan on keeping a car long-term, buying out a lease nearly it never makes sense. Um, there's only a very few situations where buying out a lease makes sense. Um, you, if you want to keep the car longer than three years, finance it is pretty much the, the rule of thumb there. I do think right now it makes people to buy out of their leases because of just the the price of cars nowadays. Or I'm trying to remember. I was talking with a guy at a at a dealership that was close to the bank, and um, he was telling me about how like leasing was actually people were getting out of their their leases and selling the cars back. Or no, sorry, they were buying out a lease, and it was actually a great value because they could get this they could get the same car with the same mileage and you know um, in the same condition, and it would cost like. $10,000 more than if they just bought it out of the lease. So it, Yeah, so the reason that is is because the car inflate the car market, the used car market has inflated so much. Right. It's not a typical where, thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not at all. This is a very fringe situation, but the used car market has inflated so much that the prices have skyrocketed, but when you sign on a lease, there is a a buyout that's predetermined based on the car's value at that time. Because like you said, you're just paying on the depreciation of the car, which is something mm-hmm. that has been calculated by the dealership. Right. Um, so yeah, right now it, it probably does make sense to buy out of a lease in some situations if you do want to keep the car for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, if you plan on keeping the car for longer than three years, or if it's even a cheaper car that doesn't really depreciate too bad, you may be better off financing. And I think for most car buyers, Leasing doesn't make sense, um, and and that's where I think we may agree. But yeah. I, I I really see a case for leasing in some situations, also for businesses, because depending on the vehicle you get, sometimes okay, the lease yeah. can be a tax write off. Yeah, that so businesses that makes that makes some sense to me. I guess the problem I have with leasing is that it's such a short term strategy in my mind. You know. Like a big issue with people getting into debt and getting into fi- dire financial straits is that they don't have a like they either can't or they don't have long term vision. And so with I mean with a lease, if you're just a serial leaser, you're just paying all of this money. It's like okay, well yeah, so maybe for the first five six years that's similar to if you are financing a car. But then what happens if you start le- if you continue leasing after that? Like well that could have been you know house payments. That could have been that could have been going towards something that actually was is building value. And so I think my main issue with it is that consumers are already so caught up with getting the new thing and the thing that is fun and and. Uh, cool in the short term, but they don't think long term. And I think leasing is just a continuation of that. Now, I will say I had like, I think there are situations, like you said, where leasing does make sense, specifically like, okay, let's say you move to a new town and you need a reliable car, but you don't have quite the money to finance a car. And you're like, and you don't have the cash built up to buy a used one, you know, then you can go lease a car. You got three years to build up 
some savings. So once you're out of the lease, you can actually go get a car that you own or that, you know, you're building. I just, I don't like the short term thinking of, of leasing. Uh, I think that's really my main issue with it. Yeah. I think yeah. the, the key thing to me, Jordan, you have something to add. <laughs> I have a voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good conversation. I'm glad I brought popcorn. Um, there are some, yeah. There are some people who you know uh, the car is such a utility where it's like they'd like to just pay whatever a month, just like they do their electricity, their gas, their I don't know. I was actually going to make that exact point. A lot of the people that do have the money to lease comfortably, their car payment may be in line with how we see our utilities as far as the cost associated or compared to their to their monthly either earnings or their um their monthly bills especially those that have um there's not many car manufacturers doing it now but i think it'll become more of a thing um is you know like justin said a lot of them will lump in maintenance um but some are also lumping lumping in car insurance and with the advent of EVs on the scene, which are exploding, many of them will lump in charging. So it'll be literally this number is what you pay to have a car. There is mm-hmm. nothing outside of that with insurance, charging, anything like that, which is intriguing for some people who want a simplified life. Um, not intriguing for, you know, a, a counter argument for leasing would be anyone who wants anything to do with making their car their own. If you want to modify your car, the lease is nope. not for you. Yep, because you gotta turn it back in unmodified, or you're getting charged. Um, so the other, only other thing I want to add with this is, I think it's 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 interesting. And Justin, I see what you're saying, where you're not building any like equity, if you will. You're not gonna have any ownership when you turn the thing back in, or if you lease for like ten years, you're not gonna have anything to show for it at the end of that ten years which I absolutely get, but I think that comparison, it, it, it kind of is like the, the rent versus buy comparison for like your house or a, an apartment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's fair because of the nature of the thing that you're renting or buying right. because of how much vehicles depreciate. And in most circumstances, especially here lately, property typically appreciates where a vehicle will always depreciate unless if it's like a very specific vehicle, and that usually takes a lot longer to happen than, than a property. Um, and that's where I think the, the conversation and the point that Jordan brought up where it's a utility is a much better argument for that. And it's kind of a harsh way for a lot of people to look at cars because I don't see my car as a utility at all, but there's a lot of people that do just see it as a way to get from point A to point B. Yeah, and I think that's how the market's changing too. Just from what I've been reading, people are viewing it as yeah, like you said, it's a utility. It's not a thing to own, you know. And yeah, it's definitely different from a house. It depreciates. It's not appreciating in value. Um, so, but also like to me, that's like the more reason. Like, why would I? Why would I pay the depreciation on a depreciating asset and then not get to keep it? You know, I to yep. me, it's like. The dealership, like if they know they're going to get a car back or they're pretty sure they're going to get the car back, they're going to make sure the deal works out better for them at minimum. Uh, they don't want to get back, you know, a, a, a crappy situation. But Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 
definitely understand. I probably won't lease, um, but I do see some uses for it. So I will never, I, I doubt I'll tell anyone to never not lease. If that makes any yeah, sense. It, and like a lot of financial things, it just depends. But I will say most of the time it doesn't make sense. And people, most of the time people don't think it through. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Leasing typically makes sense when a luxury car is in the picture. And for most people, buying a luxury car makes no sense. Right. Ooh, that's that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end that segment. That was drop that <laughs> mic. So we basically solved everything. Literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I told you. I, Tune I got in next week different out of for more life so, advice. So let's rein it into. The Dream Garage. And this week, we put on our ripped jeans, leather jackets, and encapsulate our noggins and aerosolized hair product as we search for the best cars of the 80s. Budget is $100,000 of today's money, which is worth a lot less since the government keeps printing it for no reason. (laughs) You can buy as many cars as you want within the budget, no modifications allowed, because we had to make it somewhat interesting. Nice. Justin, start us off. All right, fantastic. I don't as a man of the eighties. Yes, that's well, right. You're not, you're not, but you like old. things. That's so. true. I do like old things. Although I don't know much about any of these cars, I looked them up and I was like, yes, this is what I want. I got three. So as you guys know, I, I've looked at uh, Porsche nine four four turbos before. Uh, I specific. I found a nineteen eighty six Porsche nine four four turbo, forty thousand miles. Found it for thirty five thousand. So I was like, all right, slap that into the budget. Then. A 1980 Datsun ZX black and gold. I think it was some anniversary edition that yeah, year. Yeah, those for are 1980. special edition. Those yeah. are really cool. Yeah, so that one is my most expensive pick. 37,000 miles and was a $42,000 pick. So really cool. Uh, pretty rare. They didn't make a lot of those. So I was like, yes, let's, let me jump on that one. And it's Datsun, which is basically Nissan. But it says Datsun, so it's different. It's cool. um, yeah, makes it cooler. Then I found I was like, well, you know, I got a couple cars here. Let me go with a let me go with a uh, SUV. So, a Mercedes Benz G wagon. I forgot to put the year on here. I believe it was like a 1985 or something like that, mid 80s. 89. Was yeah, it 80? I see the year on it. Oh yeah. Well, I can't. Well, you just can't read. Yeah, that's right. I can't read your handwriting. You know, <laughs> 1989 <laughs> Mercedes Benz G wagon. I found it was so it was a right hand drive version for twenty three thousand dollars. It did have one hundred fourteen thousand miles on it. So, but it looked like it was an excellent condition. So I'm not too concerned about about maintenance um, there. I mean, I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm not terribly concerned. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty concerned. I, so <laughs> just seeing your garage, basically at any given time, nothing's gonna work. <laughs> hope, hopefully, two of your cars. Well, two of your cars will be in the shop. So hopefully, one of your cars is working. <laughs> hopefully, the dad's works. <laughs> yeah. Spo- yeah. Spoiler yeah, alert: exactly all three of is. your cars. Spoiler alert: all three of your cars will be in the shop, and you'll have to borrow one of Austin's because his are bulletproof. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> so actually, that G wagon's. Awesome, because we didn't get those until, right. what, the 2000s. Exactly. So that was on my list, too, until I saw your list. And I was like, dang. It's okay. I was you torn can, between two things. You can I, copy I, I, me. Yeah. I, I thought about the Gav, uh, Gavlin wagon. Is that what G stands for? I don't know. I uh, thought about it because the two-door ones are super cool. But I was on the fence, so I toppled to the other side of the fence. I am sitting in 1985. All the way across. Um, so I, I initially went to a Porsche 959, 
and then mm. realized the budget was a hundred thousand, not a million. <laughs> so I closed my browser and I cried. And then I found these, both nineteen eighty five, a Ferrari three hundred eight GTS Quattro Valvole, which is four valves. <laughs> Italian. Four valves, <laughs> which yeah. is like on the side of Chevy now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that is 32 valves total because that is a transverse mounted mid-engine V8 Ferrari. And it's a not, it's one of the few Ferraris of that kind of rough era for that 20, 30 years where it's not engine out service. You can do everything at like it's one of the best Ferraris to actually drive daily. They look uh, great. Does drive they look daily. so good. I was wondering if somebody was going to pick or find an 80s Ferrari for under 100,000 because I that's what I wanted to but I I couldn't quite find one in the 5 minutes I did research. But they <laughs> yeah, but they yeah, all look so can, good. You can you can find them for as low as 50 grand. You're probably looking at closer to 100,000 if you want like absolute mint condition low miles um there's some really sought after colors with the 308 family um like this plum color or a like british racing green and tan interior mm. um the one i found was classic ferrari red sixty five thousand dollars with thirty five thousand miles so not terrible um there is someone who is based in colorado but he actually drives his 308 all over the country um brian's questionable decisions that's his instagram it's hilarious um he's got really cool like ski racks on his ferrari and he goes skiing with it people are like what are you doing he's like i'm driving this car that was built to be driven they're like oh cool uh (laughs) and then also from 1985 on the other side of the fence from justin's g-wagon is the british take the land rover defender 90 the two-door found one for 35 grand imported with a hundred thousand miles it's awesome so i think that's a great dynamic duo what one car can't do the other can and most likely they'll both be broken at some point about to say if you're criticizing justin's cars of being unreliable (laughs) you have a 80s ferrari and a 80s land rover well what i i'm gonna talk both these guys down about 500 bucks and then with that thousand dollars remaining i'll buy a schwinn bicycle (laughs) (laughs) all right well I, uh, as Jordan alluded to earlier, I chose a pretty reliable garage. Um, so Toyotas were the best in the 80s, also the 90s, arguably also in the thousands, and so on. Toyotas are awesome. Um, I chose a 1989 Toyota Land Cruiser. Um, from the ad, it looks to be resto modded. Um, so it's been restored and modded. Um, looks great. $60,000, though, which is actually the larger part of my budget, which I did not expect to spend that on an SUV, but when I saw it, I knew I had to have it. Um, and then keeping up with the Toyota and the reliability theme, one of my all-time favorite cars, I'd love to own one one day, it's a 1984 Toyota Celica Supra. So this is mm, actually the I first you were Supra. Go for that. Um, but it was, uh, it was badged as a Celica, and iconic 80 styling pop-up headlights um rear-wheel drive they look so good so like period correct if you don't know what i'm talking about think of the toyota like ae86 um the iconic drift car it's kind of like that but in my opinion a little bit better proportions that one was thirty-five thousand uh for that so just under i still got 5k to spare and i can 
buy Jordan and Justin a Honda Accord to share for when all yeah, their cars that's break true. down. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Flyway Films fleet vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> the fleet vehicle. Uh, but yeah, that is my all 80s garage. As soon as you you said the 80s was our, our constraint, I knew I was immediately going for some Toyotas because there's some, yeah. some really cool ones in that time frame. Yeah, I figured um, you were going for the Celica. But that's uh, that's what I went for. That's it. Can you guys believe it? The 80s sound like old cars but then i tell you that taylor swift was born in the 80s and it doesn't sound like that bad 1989 hashtag <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that's yeah that's 100 percent how i justify age in my mind as compared to taylor swift <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting how we all picked like an suv and in justin's case two fun cars but uh it is funny that we we're like you know what we need a well-rounded What's- garage well, it's one fun car at a time. Yeah, it's true. Most of yours will be broken <laughs> at most times. <laughs> and I just, I, I chose cars that I knew would run because I'd actually want to go somewhere. So that makes sense. All right, guys. Well, call. I think we'll call it there. Thank you so much for listening in and joining us this evening. Yeah, if you have questions, corrections, commentary, or something else we can argue about, feel free to hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, and even email at theflywheelfilms at gmail.com. Yeah, if you enjoyed the show and our 80s blast from the past, maybe you'll like our other things too. Instagram and YouTube contain the majority of our content at Flywheel Films, and my Miata is ghosty.miata on Instagram. You can always find my Fiesta ST at kona.party.st. And I don't have Instagram, but you can send me a coded message about my birthday, and I'll meet you at 415 <laughs> East 71st Street. All right. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. Well, <laughs> great. Now the whole world knows your address. Wait, is this some obscure movie <laughs> reference? Is that like Sherlock's address? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody else is so, going to get That's from the Bourne Ultimatum, bro. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. Yeah, Jason Bourne. Yeah, that's that's a deep dive. Oof. <laughs>